Hi, my name is Thomas Johnson, and I'm the founder and CEO of Get Up and Get Fit Wellness Concierge. I'm also a C-suite advisor and investor, and you're listening to the How May I Serve You podcast, where I'm constantly on the quest to surround myself with the best coaches while learning how to better serve our executive clientele by asking them, how may I serve you? Today's show is sponsored by Get Up and Get Fit. And Get Up and Get Fit will be providing students with textbooks and school supplies in Cambodia in honor of our guests today, as well as our philanthropic mission to impact at least 50,000 people per year. And today's guest is Steve Smith. Steve, how are you doing? I'm doing wonderful, Thomas. Thanks for having me on. Of course, of course. So Steve Smith is the president and founder of Growth Source Coaching Headquarters in Lake Forest, California. He is an accomplished leadership, management, and organizational enhancement coach who brings over 30 years of business building experience to every client's relationship. Considered the catalyst for change by the California Business Journal, Steve shares the business building techniques with professional audiences from insights he has gained from his industry experience and the 700 plus business professionals he has helped worldwide. Steve graduated of Frostburg State University. Okay, Frostburg. That's Frostburg, Maryland. Maryland. Okay, with a degree in business management and concentrations in accounting and sociology. He is a professionally certified coach and is certified in creative leadership and top grading. Awesome, awesome. So, Steve, actually, so what is top grading? Do you do my expound on that really quickly? Sure. Uh, top grading is a principle by which you evaluate and work with all of your people to be able to determine, you know, who is an A player, a B player, and a C player. Mm. And A players, you just want to give them room to run, you know, support them, let them do what they do best. B players are the people you work with and hopefully – getting them to be A players. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, in every organization, when you run into C players, those are usually the people you want to help figure out what they should really be doing in life that's other than working for you. And Mm -hmm. so you kind of, you move them on and and you hope, you know, hopefully bring in another A or to replace them. Nice, nice. So this is what you specialize in. That's amazing. Yeah, that's tuning up business organizations is a constant almost 24/7 activity mm-hmm. because the, the 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 employment market changes the the com- the competitive dynamics are always changing innovation and technology are always knocking at the door and at any one point in time you may not have the right people sitting in the right seats on the bus yes the and this tends to kind of slow down um um production you know and progress for the most part if you look at every organization as almost like a SEAL team, mm-hmm. everybody has to know what everybody else does well. You have to work well together. Uh, you have to work for the benefit of one mission outcome. When you have that kind of a team, you are running smooth, you're profitable, you're sustainable. Yes, When indeed. you don't have that kind of team, you're constantly fighting fires that just get in the way of you doing what you do best. Yes, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. So, Steve, let's uh, let's go back a little bit. Actually, let's go way back, childhood mm. back, all right? Um, so, where are you from originally? I was originally born in Washington, D.C., and okay. I grew up in uh, the Prince George's County area of Maryland, which is directly south. It's like a Washington suburb. Nice, nice, nice. And while, while in that area, um, how were you as a child, man, compared to... How, how you are as an adult right now? 
Um, believe me, uh, I have learned from the plethora of mistakes that I created <laughs> for myself. And I, I consider myself to be a much more smooth, professional, congenial version of what I was growing up. Um, we grew up in a very middle class uh, neighborhood. Okay. Um, my father was, uh, he worked for a, a food chain at the time called Safeway. And they're, they're still around, but they're not nearly as big as they were, you know, 30, 40 years ago. Uh, but we grew up in an environment where you could have anything you wanted. You just had to work to get it. Mm. Nobody was really giving you, you know, the money whenever you wanted it for whatever you wanted. My dad always said, I will put you in a position to get what you want, but you have to put in the work. You have to figure it out. So at a very early age, we learned how to make money uh, because there was all kind of opportunities out there to earn little kid change is what I call it. Mm -hmm. uh, and it certainly beat the allowance we got every week. And it just gave us a feeling of accomplishment that, you know, hey, if we saw something we really wanted, a new skateboard, a bike, whatever the case may be, that if we if we just worked for it, we could have what we wanted as opposed to taking what somebody else is willing to give us. Today's episode is sponsored by Get Up and Get Fit. Being an executive can be very demanding. Your schedule is unpredictable. You have conflicting responsibilities that pull you in multiple directions at once. You travel too much, work late hours, and cross time zones, all things that wreak havoc on your body. This is why having a wellness support team is necessary. Get Up and Get Fit is the wellness concierge support that busy executives, entrepreneurs, and celebs rely on to keep them healthy and fit despite their hectic schedules. A body under prolonged stress is not a healthy body. Time to reduce your stress. Increase your energy, flexibility, strength, and endurance so you can enjoy life instead of just living it. Go to getupandgetfit.com. That's G-E-T-U-P-N-G-E-T-F-I-T.com. And schedule your consultation right now. Get up and get fit. It's a lifestyle. Yes, indeed. So in terms of the dining room table, because I know with most families, right, there's certain subjects that's not discussed around a dining room table. You can't discuss politics. Most folks don't even discuss finance or religion. Within your household, were you, were you guys open to having these conversations um, around the dinner table? Well, when when we were very young, we just didn't have the wherewithal to really understand and engage at those in those conversations. Okay. As we got older, um, I think we probably engaged at a much better level. But I have to be honest with you, we didn't really have any radicals in our family. You know, we had people that you know we bought onto certain philosophies and certain ways of looking at things. Mm -hmm. But you pretty much stayed within the confines of what it meant to be part of the Smith family. Understood. And it was, you know, it was work-based, it was responsibility-based, it was you choose whatever you want to do and we'll we'll help you, but you have to lead the pack. Okay, okay. So as a child, did you always um, have this leadership trait within you or, or did you have other siblings? Um, were you the eldest or were you the youngest, the middle child? Talk to me. I, I was the oldest of four boys. Okay. Um, I do believe I had early leadership traits, although I have to admit, I didn't see them. Other people did. I was I was mm -hmm. in scouts for a number of years. You know, people would kind of make reference to that. I was in sports from, 
you know, early seventh grade, kind of as early as you could really do it, all the way up through my college years. And I think that honed leadership capabilities along the way. Um, but I think the first thing that probably gave me the instinct that I could lead was I was willing to step out and do things other people weren't willing to do. Mm, and sometimes that came at great risk and, and, and immediate failure. <laughs> <laughs> but even though I, I endured failure like everybody else, I didn't seem to kind of walk away from the risk of wanting to do it again. And, and you know, early on, my parents would say, well, you know, he's just hard headed. You know, he doesn't listen to people who would say, no, you don't really want to do that because you're probably going to fail at it. And, and I just developed this mantra early on that if that's what I wanted and I thought I could do it, I was going to try it, whether it worked out or not. Mm-hmm. Okay, so talk about that, right? From embodying that mindset to now becoming an organizational um, enhancement coach, how would you um, talk about the transition or, or the, sim- like the similar traits you learned from those experiences that you actually brought towards your current uh, coaching, I would say? All right. So whether it was in academics, you know, throughout my school years or whether it was in sports or even in some of my early jobs, Mm -hmm. what I realized was, number one, very few times a failure would actually cause some traumatic event, you know. And so I actually had one of my early mentors explain this to me, said, if you, in your head, run down the list of kind of the worst things you can think about and ask yourself, is this going to happen? You'll be able to calibrate the fear from the reality. Mm. And so it was always like, okay, if I do this, am I in, in, am I in serious risk of dying? No. Is anybody I know going to die? No. Um, could I risk you know, bodily injury? No. Uh, could I go bankrupt? No. You know, so you go down all these tremendous things that most people fear most. And Mm -hmm. by the time you get to the bottom, you realize, okay, I'm going to fail, but nothing catastrophic is going to happen. I'm going to learn from it and I'm going to course correct and I'm going to go back and do something else. And so learning that if you can just control the fear that runs around in your head endlessly telling you what not to do, that's the gateway to start doing the things that will lead you to true success. Because now you you can put that fear in its proper place. Yes, indeed. It sounds like you're assessing your risk tolerance. That's it. And everybody has a tolerance level. There's only maybe one or two people in, that I've known in my entire life that were com- so fearless, almost mm-hmm. to the point of maybe being a little stupid with what they were <laughs> doing. But they literally had no fear of any, any consequence. Mm-hmm. Most everybody else I've worked with and known we're able to calibrate that with kind of the risk reward factor. You know, if I take this extreme risk and I put all my money towards this, what's the upside? Am I willing to risk that money to get that upside? I had a personal experience with that when I opened my first coaching company. I actually bought a franchise and it was Mm. a very small startup company. And I, I fell in love with their whole methodology for coaching and building a coaching business. And so I bought into it. I spent a lot of money. And two and a half years into it, they filed bankruptcy. And I can remember the day and the time that I got a call from the founder of the company saying, Steve, you know, you've kind of been involved in a lot of this. You know kind of where we are. We're just run. We've run out and we're just going to call it quits. And at seven minutes after that phone call ended, it was all done. 
And I, I sat there and I thought, okay, I just invested two and a half years of my time and energy and about a hundred grand and it's all gone. What you do I do it. now? Wow. Wow. But I look back on those days and I realize if I hadn't gone through that, I wouldn't have what I have today. Mm. I have a very well-established rock and rolling company here. I get calls weekly. I don't do any sale selling at all. I have a marketing plan that just educates people on what I do. And if what I do is what they want, they call me and we talk and we figure out whether they need me or not. But it's been an extraordinarily successful venture. And I put it all back on what I learned early on about the fear of having everything go away. And what do you do at that point? Hmm. Well, wow, that's that's an amazing story right there, because oftentimes when people go through such a, a tremendous um, situation, they tend to give up yes. or pivot towards a completely different direction. But instead of doing that, you decided to learn from that experience and put the next step in front of the next and continue to move forward. Well, so, and, I, and I have to admit, too, that... Uh -huh. The, the fear that I had that was greater than failing in my business was the fear of going back to the industry that I had chosen to leave. Mm, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. I spent 30 years in consumer products manufacturing, worked for some great companies, General mm -hmm. Mills, Lysol Chemical. I worked for a small kind of a pharmaceutical company for a while. And then the last company I worked with was a, a manufacturer of uh, burial products. And when I left that back in, in May of 2008, I was kind of done with that whole thing. I thought, okay, I want to pursue something that brings me joy and makes me fulfilled. You know, it was a great career. I learned a lot. In fact, what I learned there is the basis for what I'm able to help other people do today in okay. a much smaller arena. But I was done with that. And so when this company that I joined and I was totally psyched about, it, I thought I'm going to build an empire and, and that two and a half year period went by and all of a sudden it was just gone. And the only thing that prevented me from doing what everybody else in the company did, which was go back to the occupation they had before they fell in love with coaching was my fear was having to go back and do what I didn't want to do anymore. Oof. So I rebuilt what I bought from the franchise and put my own brand on it and marketed it my own way and just trudged through that long journey of having to get off the ground. And today I can tell you, I'm totally satisfied that I did it. Now, at the time I was in the middle of it, I didn't know where it was going to end up. <laughs> All I knew was I didn't want to go back to where I came from. So fear was, was the driver. Fear was the driver. Fear was the driver. Wow. Yes. Wow. Wow. So because you it was, wow. So you basically, you in terms of your marketing strategy, you basically tried the, the trial and error um, strategy. You bootstrapped your way towards success for the most part. Yes. And the lessons you learned along the way, you're now using it in your coaching. Look, <clears throat> one of the things that I learned from this early franchise company that I didn't really expect. You know, I was I was expecting to to grow a franchise coaching business in the area that I lived in, you know, the yeah. county that I bought the rights to. But along the way, what I learned how to do was I learned internet marketing. 
I didn't really, I didn't have to do that in my former career. There was other people doing that. My job was to run a sales and logistics operation in the Western part of the country. Mm -hmm. So internet marketing didn't mean anything to me, but I learned that with this company. I learned sales funnels. I learned how to have consultative conversations with prospects to find out if what they wanted was what I had and if what I had was what they needed. And all of that stuff became the bedrock of how I operate the company today. The reason I don't do any selling is because I took their marketing strategy and I <laughs> repurposed it for me. And there it works tremendously. I mean, it's like, it's, it's incredible, you know? So that's one thing that I've got down. I don't have to do. Um, one of the things that I learned, and it was interesting because it came from a book that mm. didn't really have anything to do with coaching. Mm. And it's, I, I tell people all the time, this is if you've chosen to get into consulting, you need to read this book. It's called Spin Selling. Spin Selling. Spin, the acronym, S-P-I-N. It was written by a guy named Neil Rackham back okay. in 1986. So it's not new by any stretch of the imagination. But it's evergreen because it tells you exactly how to walk through and have conversations with people about more relational type consulting sales, big ticket stuff, you know, not yeah. little small repeatable stuff. Mm-hmm. But once you read it and you understand how conversations need to flow and you're able to internalize that and make it your own, fit it into your own style, it's amazing how productive and how good your conversations are. And people just gravitate to you for that. Mm. Okay. I, I'm definitely going to add it to my Amazon list because I love reading and I love networking and I'm always yeah. looking for ways and means to better myself. So spin cycling. Spin selling. Spin selling. Spin selling. Yeah. Spin selling. Okay. I okay. mean, if you have a occupation or a business that requires you to be a very, very highly effective communicator, that needs to be a book that you read at some point in time. Spin selling. Perfect. I definitely appreciate that, that share. And I'm sure all of our listeners will appreciate this share as well, man. <laughs> awesome. Um, so let's dive into your coaching, right? So Talk to me about why you got into coaching in the first place. Because be- before you were in the consumer goods space, what right. led you into coaching? Okay. So this is another really, this is what I call a serendipitous moment. Okay. okay. <laughs> in my pursuit of trying to figure out what I was going to do next, I got on all of the usual online platforms to fill out a profile and put your mm-hmm. resume and kind of market yourself, hoping you're going to find kind of a good next job or a good next chapter of your life. And so I happened to be on this one executive marketing website called The Ladders. And, you know, it's like a lot of other websites. It was free. You can sign up, you fill out the profile, you put on all your good stuff. Well, because it's free, it also means that before you can get out of that completing your profile, you're looking at all these advertisements at the bottom. You know, people are saying, gee, would you like to learn how to be a financial advisor? Mm -hmm. Or do you have any interest in selling insurance? You know, and it's all this kind of stuff. And if you don't go and click it and say, no, I don't, the the option is, yes, you do. And then you start getting phone calls from people. It's automatic. Right. So I went down and I started clicking off. No, 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 no. Well, I didn't scroll up far enough. And there was one left at the very bottom that I missed. And it happened to be a woman who was a consultant whose job it was to help corporate executives figure out what would be the ideal small business match for them. 
And so within about 30 minutes, I get this phone call from this woman I never met before. And we had this call and she told me how the program worked. Didn't cost me anything, but she worked. I worked with her for about two months. Wow. She was the one that came back to me and she said, I've looked at everything you've done and how you've done it. And I've talked to people that you have known and everybody comes back to the same thing. You need to be in the coaching field. That's where your specialty is. Helping other people figure out how to improve what they do. Wow. And so she introduced me to this small company and I loved it and I bought mm -hmm. into it. And that's how it started. I didn't see any of this coming. She pointed it out to me. And later on, I started to realize, you know what? I've been doing this as far back as high school. Yes, I just indeed. never knew what it was called. <laughs> yes, indeed. Well, a serendipitous moment indeed. You forgot yeah. to you forgot to click on one button. And from, from that, it right. created this. <laughs> right. This I, missed, I missed one. Right. <laughs> wow. Um, have you have you written a book yet? You know, I haven't. And I and I've I've thought about it and I've talked to people and I've I've read stuff. And I think the reason it hasn't come about yet yeah. is because even though it's a thought in the back of my head, it's not moved up the ladder to this is the most important thing I have to do now and everything else I have to take a back seat. Understood. Understood. I've got, I mean, I'm involved in, I'm, I'm currently developing a, a management training uh, course, like mm -hmm. a four session course, yeah. because I'm getting calls from people saying, we have all these new managers in our company and they're all good people, but they don't know how to manage. Can you help us? And so I thought, okay, I can do that. I have tons of stuff and I just need to package it so early managers can, you know, can swallow it and figure out what to do with it. So that's the kind of stuff I love to do is figure out how to take what I have learned over my 40 plus years of being in business and repackage it so other people can learn from it and, and absorb it and own it and start running with it. Okay. You know what, Steve? I would, I would love to um, help you out with that because I have I have connections, I have resources, right? So let, let me help you get to that next step. Cool, definitely. All right. So enough enough about about me helping you. Let's dive more into your coaching. All right. <laughs> so there are many types of co coaches, right? Because I've interviewed so many coaches on this podcast. How would you describe your coaching style? Um, my coaching style is very active in terms of working with my clients and. Sometimes I kind of consider myself, I know this is probably going to sound weird, but I kind of consider myself the anti-coach because if you talk to people who have been trained and certified in some of the more traditional institutes, you know, like the ICF, that's the big 800 pound gorilla in the industry, they have very, very specific doctrines about what coaches do and what coaches don't do. And I do some of the things that they say coaches shouldn't do. I'll give you an example. What I learned in working with business owners and company executives is that they're willing to invest in helping themselves grow and helping me be a part of that. But they're always mindful of the ROI behind the investment. Mm -hmm. You know, if they're going to plunk down eight or 10 grand for me to work with them and help them get them to where they want to be, they want to be able to get there sooner rather than later. So I can't just kind of ask a few really cool questions and get them to think and then go off and tell them, think about it and come back. We'll talk again. They want to know exactly what they have to do to get down that road. So I act as a consultant as, as well as being a coach. 
I make suggestions about things they should consider. I don't make decisions. I don't tell them what to do. But I do say, based on what I'm hearing from you, here's some things you might want to consider. Because most of the time, what I find is I take people into territory they've never been before. They have absolutely no idea what to do about it. So once they're there, I have to give them some kind of a, a form, a structure okay. with which to move through and decide what they're going to take on and what they're going to experiment with and what they're going to push the envelope on. Okay. It, so, it, it, it definitely seems like you've, um, you've incorporated some of the skill sets you learned from your previous businesses. And you absolutely. add it into your, your coaching. And this is this one makes you makes you, you unique because it's only one Steve Smith, right? Um, even even though you do have a very popular name. <laughs> but, don't, I don't, don't, don't Google Steve Smith and you'll never find me. There's too many other famous people with that name. <laughs> yes, indeed. Likewise, you know, my name is Thomas Johnson, is very um uh, popular very, as well. Very popular. Yeah. So let's dive into um okay. So in terms of your typical client, your client avatar, um, who are they? My typical client is somebody that is in traditionally a B2B, business-to-business style business. Okay. They don't necessarily serve the public. They serve other businesses in a particular industry. Or they could be at what I call specialty manufacturing. They're not the GMs of the world. You know, they're not the, the GEs. They're, they're small companies regionally based that make very particular lines of products. All of these companies have an industrial component to them. They're, there's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of people all over the place. It's a, it's a gritty business, you know. But that's what I love because coming from manufacturing, I understand how that works. Mm. And when you own a business like that, you can't be the specialist in every single thing that goes on there. But you have to be confident enough that if you get pulled into any conversation with any part of your business or any client you're serving, you can hold your own in that conversation. You can figure out what the issues are, what the client wants, what you're capable of providing them through your organization. So I work with a lot of business owners to help elevate their confidence, that inner confidence that says, you know what, I don't have the answers right now, but I can get into the conversation with you. Mm, I like that. I like that. So right now, Steve, what drives you? What drives me is knowing that anytime a well-meaning business, somebody that's really sincere about protecting what they've built, mm -hmm. they they care for the people that work for them. They want to make sure that everybody that has invested in them comes out okay because the business works, it's profitable, it's sustainable, it's not going away but they're fearful about something. They're not sure based on the economy or the marketplace where they need to go next. For every one of those people that shows up, what drives me is knowing that eventually we will figure out the answers together and they will be able to choose which path is gonna be right for them. And I'm gonna help motivate them down that path long enough to where they eventually motivate themselves. And it's like flying the plane while you're trying to build it. Mm. They don't have any fear of crashing, even though it isn't completely finished. They know where they're going with it and they're willing to stay the course. That's what yeah. motivates me. That's amazing right there. You know, that's that's needed because most most um, business owners, even entrepreneurs, I would say, um, they're, they tend to struggle with that part, right? They're in this space of the unknown and it's fearful, it's lonely. 
and they don't know who to turn to for the most part. Right. You know? Right. So having a person like you to guide them, it's, it's just incredible. It's definitely, it's definitely needed. Yeah. Actually, you know, I'm a big proponent of strategy based and performance driven. And I get a lot of this from my, all the years I played in sports because, you know, you have coaches that man, they get in your face and, and they make you do stuff you would never do by yourself. But you know, at the end of the day, they're doing it because they want you to be the best performer you can possibly be. And you're not going to put yourself through that hell. That's their job. Mm-hmm. You know? So in my role, I introduce my clients to things that they, they're not going to do on their own or, or they wouldn't just gravitate to, but they need to know about these things because once they get comfortable with them, they realize if you stick it out long enough, you will make it work for yourself. They become inherently better leaders when it's all said and done. It sounds like you help, you help them to dig their roots deeper to create that solid foundation. Right. Yes. Going back to the basics and doing a few things extraordinarily well. It's what I call going an inch wide, but a mile deep. An inch wide, but a mile deep. Most people go a mile wide and an inch mm-hmm. deep, and they be, they're they the jack of all trades. They're a master of none. Yeah, and that's, that's when, people, and that's when uh, folks tend to lose uh, motivation because they're over the place. Or, or they, they get to they they get into this other situation, which is totally a mindset thing of chasing squirrels. You know, they, <laughs> they chase something because it's shiny and new, but then they, they lose interest because they don't get that immediate instant success. So they go find something else and they're all over the place and they're wasting time and they're wasting money. And everybody around them is just getting aggravated because they know they see what's going on. The yes, only indeed. person that doesn't see it is the yes. person doing it. Exactly. Exactly. No, you're absolutely right. So, um, you know, normally I ask a success story. I know we have to jump. So, I mean, I, I'm, I'm enjoying this conversation, Steve. Normally I keep it at 17 minutes, but we're at 28 minutes right now. Um, so what are you currently working on? Um, are you working on any new projects, any new, um, programs? Like talk to me. Well, the, when I get, I'm halfway through this management training program. Okay. Um, when I get this thing done, this is going to be a complete Bible of how to manage at the ground level. You know, I, I don't like to spend incredible amounts of time going way back into theory and all this other kind of stuff, because most people don't know what to do with that. Mm-hmm. What I like to do is break things down to simple, practical ap- uh, um, actions that have sound principles behind them. And when people see what needs to be done and they realize why that's going to serve them better than what they're currently doing, they immediately gravitate to that stuff. And so for me, it's just uh, just introducing new ideas or rather very old principled ideas to new managers to get them to realize there is a better way for you to produce results through your team if you just look at what you're doing differently than what you're doing now. Mm. And so I've figured this whole thing out. And I'm getting, having really good success with this pilot company that I'm working with now that's doing it. But to me, that's what drives me is just figuring out new ways to deliver old information to people who need it most. Mm. I like that. So because you're always thinking of ways and means to provide a solution, do you have do you have these moments at night where you can't sleep because you're constantly churning the engine? <laughs> yes. Yes. And, you know, a lot of people may probably make comments about this, but 
have you ever thought about the circumstances that take place where you get your most ingenious ideas? The bathroom, the shower. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For me, it's two. Taking a shower mm -hmm. or one of my passions, my, my sidelines is riding. I have a motorcycle. My wife and I do a lot of touring. Nice. California is great for that because the weather is always conducive to that. But when you're on the motorcycle and you're just looking at where you're going and you've got tunes playing in your headset, your, your brain just goes crazy with ideas. The biggest problem with that is there's no way to write them down, you know, because you're not going to take your hands off the, off the handlebars to start writing stuff down while you're doing 80 miles an hour, you know. But um, that's, those are times when my brain just dumps great ideas, just like when you're saying taking a shower. That's another area that a lot of people, you know, they're just in there relaxing. And all yep. of a sudden, the solution to something they've been sweating over for weeks just shows up comes to you comes to you just like out of nowhere yeah that's indeed definitely you know what you might have to talk to an engineer to design some type of apparatus to capture your th your thoughts or i have I'm some sure type AI, of i'm sure ai is going to figure out how to do that at some point probably yeah. next week so. yes yes indeed so um steve it has been actually before i even end this let's uh where can people find you though steve all right <clears throat> the best place for people to find me is to go right directly to my website. Okay. And it's growth, G-R-O-W-T-H, growthsourcecoaching.com. And there you can learn about me. I've got videos all over the place. I talk about a lot of things I do and okay. best practices. And, and you'll, you'll get a really good idea of who I am. And then if you want to have a conversation, there's a little box there. You can fill it out. Uh, but I do that because I want people to know who I am before we talk. It gives them a better sense of comfort about whether I'm going to be able to help them or not. Um, if you're on LinkedIn, you just you can uh, you can search my name there, and I've got a full profile there. A lot of people like to start there, but those two places are the best place because once you get there, I paste my phone number and my email all over the place, so it's real easy to contact me after that. Okay, okay, that's awesome. So, everyone that's listening, make sure to talk about Steve, share his information everywhere because he's an amazing person, and you know that he's actually helping a lot of folks right now. So if you guys need any help, feel free to reach out to Steve. He, he, he's that guy for you, all right? Okay, so Steve, listen, it has been a pleasure, pleasure speaking to you. You know, like, I'm over the 30-minute mark, <laughs> right? You know, and Sorry I really, about that. And listen, this is a great conversation, a great conversation. <laughs> and last but not least, I have one last question for you, and that is, how may I serve you? Well, um, this has been a wonderful experience. You know, you ask great questions. I mean, you kept the conversation basically on fire, which is which is very cool. It's, that's the only thing I look for. Um, when your program is curated, you know, just send me a copy because I love uh, repurposing this stuff and getting it out, you know, getting you and your name and me out to as many people in my universe as possible. That's the absolute greatest way that you can help me. You're already doing it. Okay, perfect, perfect. My, my team will definitely send you the, the published um, copy after, after it's already you know, cut and spliced, whatever. <laughs> cool, very good. So um, again, this is your host, Thomas Johnson. If you enjoyed today's episode, please feel free to share it with someone else that will benefit. And make sure to tune in for next week's episode. Take care, be blessed, and cheers. We are out.